Dissecting Dexter is brought to you by Audible.com. For your free audiobook download and free trial, go to www.audibletrial.com slash Dexter. Greetings and salutations, and welcome back once again to Dissecting Dexter, the spoiler-free podcast dedicated to the Showtime series Dexter. I, of course, am Gareth Watkins, your host, hailing from... Where do I hail from originally? I I was born in London. (laughs) Do you want my life... No, you don't want my life story. (laughs) I was going to say, coming to you as always from the mobile studio deep in the heart of rural North Yorkshire, England, but I thought I'd vary it a bit and then stumbled <laughs> professional that i am welcome dear friends um here i am again to talk about some dexter with you at the halfway stage of this final season well how do we feel about that <laughs> at this halfway stage how do we feel about the season um me i how do i feel it's it's mixed feelings and i've kind of touched on this already in previous podcasts about how I'm feeling about the season so far. Emotionally, I am okay. I'm kind of... It's it's still with a little bit of trepidation that we get ever nearer to the, the end of the show. And... Well, just uneasiness about how it's all going to turn out. I mean, there's that cloud hanging over me of, of the spoiler that I may or may not be privy to. Uh, I'm just hoping that that information was was not right um and that i'm still going to be surprised at the end oh, i'll just leave that there let's let's just ride with it let's just, just hold on tight because <laughs> things have have picked up a bit this episode in terms of um the plot thickening for the next few episodes and of course we'll get to all that just before we get into the review there's not a whole lot to report this week um i'm not going to bore you with news of the weather Oh yeah, I did want to give a quick shout out to Amy Duddleston, who you may recognise the name, you'll have seen her name in the credits of Dexter, she is one of the editors of, on the show, uh, she and Keith Henderson, it looks like they they alternate uh, editing duties, as happens on a lot of shows, Breaking Bad uh, to name but one. I discovered this week that Amy uh, follows me on Twitter, but more importantly, it sounds like she listens to the podcast, so um, it's something I, I found quite flattering that someone directly associated with the show finds something of value in this podcast, and uh, I contacted her, and she said she enjoys listening. So, uh, hi Amy, thanks very much for listening, and uh, as I said on Twitter, thanks very much for your hard work on the show. If you want to follow Amy, she's on Twitter, at Phantom Frame, P-H-A-N-T-O-M-F-R-A-M-E. Okay, let's not spend any more time with my waffle. <laughs> um, I probably waffled enough last week uh, in my epic intro to, to last a couple of podcasts. So let's dive into this week's episode. Season 8, Episode 6, A Little Reflection. Written by Jace Richdale, directed by John Dahl. Original air date, the 4th of August, 2013. Here we go with the review.
he's back. Did anyone manage to stay unspoiled? <laughs> so that this was a complete surprise. I know some of you try to steer clear of any casting news, any previews, any Showtime publicity, anything like that. It was pretty hard in this case, given that Yvonne Strahovski was on the Comic-Con panel last week. We did talk about her on the Season 8 preview podcast, but I kept her name out of the Season 8 review shows to try and help those of you who want to stay totally spoiler-free. When I, men- when I mentioned tweaking a voicemail from Travis a few weeks ago, uh, that's what I cut out. He mentioned Hannah coming back, so um, that's what that was about. But Hannah's back, and even though I knew she would be, I didn't know when exactly, so it was still a surprise of sorts. Nice to see her, honestly. <laughs> the episode had been pretty slow, and the only major development, apart from that also came towards the end. Dexter releasing Zack. But before that happened, I was watching it thinking, well, I was thinking, what what am I going to talk about on the podcast this week? Usually as I watch an episode, I'm thinking, right, mention that, mention that, and, oh, we can talk for a while about that. That's a good, a good, good discussion point. And I must remember that quote. I must get that soundbite for a clip. I was thinking, what have I got to go into that will be remotely interesting this week that I can delve into and and really, you know, pick apart uh, um, and and analyse? I mean, prior to those last ten minutes, what did I have? Um, Deb's honey trap? Well, big deal in the scheme of things. Masuka lets something slip and reveals he's investigated Nikki. Whoop-de-doo. <laughs> This is the final season. We want major storylines, big developments, twists, uh, character developments, ground-shaking stuff. Not Jamie getting pissed off with her brother for not giving Quinn the promotion. So, hey, I might have been covering the whole episode in about two minutes, if not for the last ten minutes of the show. I'm probably being a little harsh, because while nothing earth-shattering was happening, it's usually quite fun seeing Dexter stalking someone. And we went old school with him looking into Zack, drawing him in, trying to gain his trust, see if he'll let something slip that'll implicate him. But it really wasn't any surprise that he turned out to be a killer. He was positioned front and centre last week. It was pretty well telegraphed. But with what happened this week, I don't mind that now. It was interesting to see this, what was essentially a birth of a serial killer, We saw his fascination with blood, taking photos at crime scenes and accidents. Seriously grim, but Dexter notices and it sets off his his little alarm bell. I like the murder scene where we got another season one callback with the red string. It was a really cool touch back in the day. And it really emphasised Dexter's skill and devotion to analysing crime scenes. So... It was good to see it again. It's not the only season one callback we got, but we'll come to the other one. When Dex let Zack into the crime scene, couldn't he have got into trouble for that? With Batista or someone? Letting someone across the tape who had nothing to do with the police or the the, the other emergency services? Zack was captivated by the scene. And like the episode title, 
a little reflection of how Dexter used to be. Oh. That's amazing. I remember that feeling. Awe. Wonder. It only fed the urge. Hey, can I take some pictures? I liked how the scene progressed. And it's obvious that Zack's treating this as a learning experience. Picking up some tips on how to improve his technique reduce his chances of being caught, become a more efficient killer. Of course, Dexter got all this from Harry, while Zack's a noob at this. He could do with a tutor. Hmm. <laughs> so, Dexter wants Zack on his table and starts tailing him, and he was alarmed to see the kid go to Vogel's house. Dexter felt a bit disgruntled that Vogel came into his life because... She felt threatened by the brain surgeon, and no sooner have they squashed that one than she's taking on a new killer patient. Here, speaking of the brain surgeon, I think most of us are in agreement, or certainly the feedback I got, that we don't buy Yates as the brain surgeon. I talked about it a lot last week, and my opinion hasn't changed. A killer with mother issues targeting women makes logical and psychological sense, but have him actively killing completely different targets with a totally different MO at the same time as killing girls is pretty implausible. If all he was doing was the brain stuff because he was screwed up... <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> because he was screwed up over what happened to his own head and the brain surgery, I could buy into that. But giving him this other MO, it just seems hard to believe. I'm still holding out a glimmer of hope that there'll be something else about it. But after this week, that glimmer's fading, I must admit. Something to ask one of the writers about it when the show's done, maybe. Vogel's just being professional about Zack, though. And the irony is not lost on Dexter, but there we are. <laughs> she's just doing what she's always done. It's her job. There's another interesting scene between Dex and Zack when they meet at Zack's office. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure what the place is. It's not his house. Is it just a space he rents, or his dad rents for him, somewhere to mess about with his photos? His dad's aware of at least some of his issues, because we heard he contacted Vogel about him. But I remember thinking, when I watched, how all these morbid photos on the wall, how it'd worry any parent. During this scene... Dexter's hoping to find some evidence of Zack's guilt, that he killed Norma Rivera, and he notices a photo of who he thinks could be a potential victim. Dex started to regret tagging along with Quinn when they went out to watch Zack later on, Quinn bringing up Deb's confession, and what's up with that? Dex tried to dismiss it, but Quinn's obviously given it some thought. Perhaps this all come into play later. So, Dex spots the woman from the photo in Zack's office, and it leads him to the yacht club. However, first he went back to Zack's office and found the evidence he needed, proving Zack killed Norma Rivera. And he went back to Vogel to show her. Interestingly, Vogel thinks he could be a good candidate to apply the code to. He's a fledgling serial killer. Now Vogel has confidence that a code can work, as she's seen in Dexter, she wants to try it on Zack. But she thinks they can teach him. But Dexter rightly points out how different Zack is 
the code won't work. He's already killed an innocent. And off he goes to kill him. I was pleased that Vogel recognises Dexter as one of a kind, but she sees something in Zack and wants to try the code on him. But Dexter's got his own plans and goes to the yacht club where he was a bit irritated to see Quinn still tailing Zack. That was a smart move, a manipulative move, to call Jamie and use her to pull Quinn out of there. I had to laugh when Quinn pulled up just as Dexter dropped Zack to the floor. So close. But interesting that Zack was going to kill his dad and not that woman. Made me wonder for a minute if perhaps he's killing for a purpose, a single purpose, a proper tangible motive to sort his dad out, and not because he's got dark urges that he has to satisfy. He is pissed off with his dad, driving his mother to drink, through a string of affairs. Bit of a sleaze by all accounts, but Dexter's not buying it. Are you killed because you want to kill? No. Yes. To take a living person and make them dead. Imagining that you can actually hear the moment when their heart stops beating. Smell the blood as it pools across the floor. I can't help it. It just builds up inside me. All these years. Norman was the first time I ever followed through. How was it? When she'd killed her. Huge weight was lifted off my chest. And this release of something horrible inside me. Lovely delivery from Hall there. He just totally transforms in these moments. I just never get tired of it. And this kill room scene, as always, as they always are, wonderfully staged, beautifully lit, and, and wonderfully shot. But here, Dexter's instincts are right. Again, as the episode title indicates, a little reflection. Dexter recognises the signs from his own early days as a fledgling killer. He knew there was more to this kid than just wanting to protect his mum. Seems that this family situation just lent itself to the dark needs that had been simmering inside Zack. But as Dexter looks down at him, you can see the thought processes crossing his face, even though he barely moves. And it's wonderful acting from Hall. And again, wonderfully lit. The shadow across his face. Really good stuff. Zack says, I can't help it. I don't want to be like this. Dexter sees something with himself lying there. And Dexter knows how the code helped guide him. You never had a Harry, he says seemingly having reached a decision. Dexter, the spiritual father? I have to admit, as Dexter cut him loose, I was remembering season three, and how taking on a student worked out for him. Although, of course, Miguel Prado was a totally different proposition, a totally different kettle of fish, to coin a phrase that maybe some of you will have to look up. <laughs> Become a topic of conversation on the Facebook page about some of my English turns of phrase and, and colloquialisms that don't all translate necessarily to other English-speaking countries. 
So, yeah, different kettle of fish. And, of course, Dexter's come a long way since season three. Plus, this time, he'd have Vogel's support. And maybe Deb, too. Deep down, though, I just can't see it ending well. That said, it does set up an interesting dynamic for the next few episodes, but I'm willing to bet the code doesn't work on Zack, further emphasising Dexter as unique and a complete one-off. You're supposed to preserve the crime scene, asshole. <laughs> this is the Dissecting Dexter Podcast. Keep up to date with the show on Twitter. Follow at Dissect Dexter. The reconciliation of Dex and Deb continued this week with the other season one callback. The beer and steak night. Although it sounded like Dex is out of practice frying steak. Their reaction to it was quite amusing. Especially Deb. This steak tastes like asshole. <laughs> but it was all a little awkward. Which is understandable considering everything that's happened. They're at the start of a new chapter in their lives. Things won't ever be exactly the same again. But spending time together. Enjoying a steak together. Having a chat. Why not? It was nice to see, but it's early days yet. The dust is only just settling. Oh yeah, when they talked about Vogel, I loved the nod to her accent, something we've mentioned on the podcast before. And then Deb's, sorry cow, at the end of the scene. <laughs> Good stuff that. One of the best scenes of the episode. And then we come to the final scene. Dex and Deb over tea and biscuits. Deb talking about Elway liking her before she collapses in a fog and falls unconscious, Dexter joining her. And through the haze, we see a vision of flowery, herbal loveliness. <laughs> As I heard a gasp from next to me, my wife not knowing that she was reappearing, emphasising the effectiveness of the moment. Hello, Dexter. Remember me? So now... The episode feels like the calm before the storm. And an intriguing double whammy. Dexter may be taking on an apprentice. Like a Sith Lord. As <laughs> a Star Wars reference. And of course the return of Dexter's soulmate. Or not soulmate, as the case may be. It remains to be seen why she's come back. I could understand her bearing a grudge against Deb. But she loved Dexter. That said... She could bear a grudge against him too for choosing Deb over her. And we all know about a woman scorned, never mind a woman who knows her poisons. Given the way the season's been going, I don't mind having Hannah back. I know a lot of you didn't like her, and some were very vocal about it, not naming names. <laughs> but I appreciated where they went with her, and her relationship with Dexter. Certainly for the most part. I'm not expecting a rekindling of their romance, but I wonder what her agenda is now. Does she just plan to kill them? If so, she could have just put something lethal in their drinks and been done with it. But that might have seemed cheap. And in any case, this is only episode six. Maybe she wants Dexter to suffer. Maybe she wants them both to suffer. Let's quickly go over the rest of the episode. Touching on Cassie first who might have a new boyfriend. Wow. <laughs> no sarcasm intended. All right, 
I did intend. <laughs> Hardly a big deal, but they spent a few minutes on her this week. Dexter had an awkward date with her, eating peanut butter Nutella fries, which sounded quite nice, actually. <laughs> Is that a mix of peanut butter and Nutella? Or do you get a peanut butter variety of Nutella? On fries? That's a heart attack in a basket right there. <laughs> but Dexter again showed his inexperience in chatting to the ladies. Which is odd when the opening montage of the season showed him with a topless woman, suggesting he's not completely hopeless with the opposite sex. It was all a bit awkward, with his obviously not having much in the way of interests to have something in common with a woman, or certainly not interests he could reveal. <laughs> that was quite amusing, actually, as he realised the awkwardness. It was all a bit awkward, wasn't it? I suppose it highlights his problem in matters of romance, conventional romance, should I say, and suggests he's destined for loneliness in that department. There was an interesting development with Harrison this week, over the remote control and him lying about it. Dexter sees how his own lying has rubbed off on his son. As a parent, we do have to be careful what behaviours we impart on our children. They're like a big sponge and can absorb more than you might want. Dexter's long been concerned about his legacy and whether Harrison will inherit any of his darkness. Catching Harrison in a lie might fester in his head, but at least Harrison offset it against Dexter with the toy dog from earlier in the season. We'd wondered if that would come back into play. I love Dexter's funny voiceover saying how it ties him to a murder, like... Oh, minor detail. And there's this blood-stained stuffed animal. <laughs> I think Dexter's still going to have to lose this thing sometime soon before Jamie spots it. But I'm sure this lying thing will feed those theories out there that the end of the show will have us thinking that Harrison has inherited Dexter's darkness, coupling this with him giving into an urge the other week and eating all those popsicles. But learning to lie, learning to be deceitful, it's... Something we don't want our children to learn, but how can you stop, even if you're really good within the home and not teaching them to lie? They're going to learn it outside, aren't they? At nursery, in, in, in school. They're going to learn behaviours from other children and other people. But Harrison, I still don't think he'll go the way of darkness, but it's just a reminder to Dex how his behaviour can rub off and how perceptive children can be. They don't often miss a trick. Actually, when Harrison opened that drawer, I was half expecting the blood slide to, be, to appear. Now that would have been interesting. No matter what you try, no matter when, no matter how hard you work, I'll always be a step ahead of you for one simple reason. And what's that? I own you. Dissecting Dexter. I didn't care for Elway's storyline this week. It's fine that he's protective of his sister, and I get they were drawing some similarities to Dexter. Here was Elway trying to help his sister in the best way he could think of, and it didn't work out too well. And there's Deb thinking how Dexter was ultimately trying to help her too. Honestly, this might have been all they were going for. I guess it was just to have Deb realise more about her brother and having good intentions even if he wasn't going about helping in the most effective way. It helped develop Elway a little too, 
learn a bit more about him. And I did think Jennifer Carpenter scrubbed up very well in that scene at the bar. Just saying. <laughs> but Deb's pretty pissed off at Elway's reaction. Maybe she was disappointed with him turning to violence. Perhaps she had him pegged as someone better than that, someone more gentle. And here he is being violent like so many other people in her life. Masuka. Well, the feel-good factor for him didn't last long. He found Nicky owed a chunk of money and handled it all wrong. He even let something slip so she found out he'd investigated her. What a tired TV trope that is. I appreciated that they were giving him something of value for his character and maybe this does work for his character. Giving her that money showed his naivety and inexperience at dealing with relationships like this. So he blundered it. It's something we've seen Dexter do time and again over the seasons. We've seen him screw up a situation because he doesn't know how to properly handle them. But this idea that a daughter turns up, someone plants a seed of doubt in Masuka's head, he gets her investigated and then she finds out, it's such a soap opera cliché. It just turned me right off this week. Turned me off this storyline anyway. And it's a shame because I was happy with giving Masuka something more than just be the funny guy. And finally, Quinn. Who got shafted this week? He's got the street smarts, but Miller has everything else, it seems. To be fair, Matthews did make it very hard for Batista not to give her the job. He pulled the race card. He pulled the gender card. Angel was backed into a corner. But this is his lot now. He's finding he has to play the game and be subjected to Matthews pulling the strings and trying to influence everything. It sucks and he knows it, but what can he do if he values his career? But poor Quinn's right to feel aggrieved. He put a lot of effort into this, but he probably knows how the system works and maybe won't hold a grudge against Batista, any more than Batista did towards Deb when she had to pull that political card before against Batista. So, that's about it for this episode. Prior to the last ten minutes... I'd have said a very average episode, given this is the final season. We know the formula is out of the window, but this had been a fairly slow episode, even though I enjoyed the stalk of Zach Hamilton. But the final ten minutes lifted things considerably, with the two major developments that obviously set things up for the next few episodes, maybe even right to the very end. As usual, I've not seen the previews for next week, so I'm unspoiled for the next episode, but I'm looking forward to what happens next. Let's turn things over to you now. Listener Feedback Okay, firstly, a bit of feedback that came in between episodes. Shannon Williams-Walker emailed with a theory about how Hannah would return to the show. Uh, the suggestion was that Dexter and Vogel would realise Yates isn't the brain surgeon, and Dexter goes back through Vogel's books and sees a page or a chapter on Wayne Randall among her list of patients, leading him back to Hannah. Uh, Shannon predicted that it's possible Vogel wrote a chapter about Wayne Randall that included Hannah, or just a chapter on Hannah herself. 
It was a nice theory, although of course we now know how Hannah returns to the show. But I like the prediction when I read it on Sunday. Shannon also responds to Travis's feedback from last week about Jamie. Um, Shannon writes, He echoed my thoughts exactly about Jamie Batista last week. When she barged into Dexter's room like that, I screamed at the TV, Who does she think she is? However, after hearing the wrap-up podcast with Scott Reynolds and Amy Garcia, I got a better feel for where they were trying to go with the character. I just wish they'd done it sooner and she'd stay out of Dexter's way this season. Thanks, Shannon. Feedback for this week. On the Facebook page, Janelle Gaylard said, I am just loving this season's themes and how seamlessly all the threads from a week's episode come together. I'm trusting the writers to continue this for the rest of the season. Scott Singleton said, It was a good episode. Don't think it was up to the last five we've had, though. Loved Hannah coming back. It really seems to me that they might have had the idea of doing two short seasons. It sure feels that way. Brain Surgeon as one and Zach as the other. Sandra Pisa said, There is not a lot to say about this week's episode. I don't like the apprentice idea. It's never been a good idea to let someone escape the kill table, as proven in this episode when Hannah comes back and drugs Deb and Dex. She's surely not up to anything good. This episode was laying the groundwork for next week's episode, so a solid seven for me. As a car goes past. <laughs> to the email now, Ben Adams wrote in to say, I really don't trust Vogel at all, and really feel that Dexter is very naive in trusting her. I can't help but think there's more to her than meets the eye. This may sound crazy, but I wonder whether during Vogel's psychiatric sessions with Deb, that she may have brainwashed Deb to join her in a plot to kill Dexter. I know in This Little Piggy they were all on Dex's boat at the end of the episode, but I wonder if they're just playing nice now, so not to arouse his suspicion. I also find that Angel's character is a complete change from previous seasons. He used to be a warm character, but very much lacks this in the latest season. Also, why, if Angel and Deb were so close in the past, is there no interaction between the two? I would have thought, being that close, he'd be very concerned for Deb and how she's doing. I've seen the spoiler photos you were speaking of, and just hope to hell they're a set-up by the cast and crew to stir up discussion in the Dexter-watching community. Many thanks for all the work you put into dissecting Dexter. They're much appreciated. Also, Travis did a sterling job covering for you. Thanks, Ben. We did find out this week that Vogel's still seeing Deb, although nothing about Deb's behaviour this week aroused any suspicions for me. To be fair to you, though, your email was also one sent in before a little reflection aired, like Shannon's. Batista. I think he's in a different situation this season, and he's finding out that he has to play the political game. Deb found it out, and now he is too. He can't be lieutenant and still be everyone's best buddy or big brother. That said, he's not been shown to be overly concerned about Deb this season. I think there was a comment in the first episode at the memorial, but otherwise, has he said anything at all? I presume he completely missed her meltdown on Quinn the other week, but then that's thanks to Quinn for acting quickly. Thanks, Ben. Back to the Facebook page. David Campion posted to say it was all a bit bland. Episode 6. Perhaps the writers are aiming for Dexter to hand over the baton to Zack for a spin-off centering around him. I'd prefer a Quinn spin-off to that. Thanks for all your hard work, Gareth. Yes, David, I'm not sure there'll be a Zack Hamilton spin-off. 
He's not been in the show long enough for us to care about him. We've not even seen anything from him to make him remotely likeable yet. I've read nothing to suggest a spin-off is definitely on the cards, so I'm not too concerned yet. Staying with Facebook, Alyssa McFadden posted to say, Here's my feedback. Forget all the haters. This was a solid episode that kept me interested. The scenes with Harrison were great. How adorable is that kid? And even though I despise Hannah, I really dug the last scene. Even though I'd read spoilers and knew she was coming back in this episode, it was still a clever it was still clever the way they brought her back. This episode was a hundred times better than last week's snooze fest. <laughs> Thanks for that, Alyssa. There's been growing negative vibes coming from the viewers, so it's good to hear you're happy. I mentioned last week how someone reported the IMDB forum having a wave of negativity about the season. I'm going to be honest here. Um, not that I'm not honest at other times. <laughs> but the negativity... It's been starting to grow within me too. A little. It was the plodding pace of the last couple of episodes and the lack of tension. Hopefully it'll start ramping up a bit now, but it's not been a dazzling final season so far. Not what I was hoping for. I say lack of tension. I did appreciate the sequence at the end of This Little Piggy. That was great. But apart from that... I'm still confident that we'll be knocked sideways by the end. I'm just hoping for better between now and then. Staying with Facebook again, Barry Spath posted to say the writers on Dexter just do not let up or let down, do they? The evolution of the characters, the twists and turns, they do not follow a formula. In fact, they look for they look for developing formulas, turn them on their heads and go in new and totally unexpected directions that just keeps the audience on their toes. I used to say Dexter is a modern version of the the old show Have Gun Will Travel, a hero only killing the bad guys but no more. I'm not sure I like the Dexter that the character is turning into. He's becoming more monster than hero before my very eyes. Definitely no longer a paladin, but I love the show more than ever because I just cannot predict the next step at all. Thanks, Barry. Meanwhile, also on Facebook, Linda Blosher, Blosher, sorry if I pronounced your name wrong, Linda says, for me, this was the weakest episode this season so far. We have only six episodes left and the plot should be thickening and not go in a whole new direction with that Zack storyline. I hope they don't have Zack kill Dexter. Also, why would Masuka be invited to Jamie's birthday party and does everyone... Oh, sorry, I'll read that again. Does anyone else think that Dr. Vogel's ex-husband Richard will turn out to be the brain surgeon? Or why else would they mention him? I liked Dexter's inner monologue, though. Thanks, Linda. Some good points there. Does Jamie know Masuka? I just... <coughs> oh, choking again, live on air. <laughs> Excuse me. I, I suppose if Jamie's been seeing Quinn, she's Batista's sister, Dexter's nanny, and she's been around these people for several months, she'll have met Masuka by now. They may have met at Deb's housewarming, or maybe Batista's New Year's Eve party. I agree with you about Zack. I hope he doesn't kill Dexter. I was thinking more about the throwaway comment I made in the review, about Dexter taking on an apprentice, like a Sith Lord from Star Wars. At the risk of getting overly geeky, <laughs> in the Star Wars universe, there is the doctrine, the Sith doctrine, the rule of two. 
there's always a master and apprentice. The Sith Lord, the master, takes on an apprentice, but in the mythology of Star Wars, the apprentice will learn and seek to grow more powerful than his master, and ultimately try to destroy him. As I thought about that, I thought that it's quite plausible that Zack could do the same. Whether six episodes is long enough for that to happen, though, I'm not so sure. But longer term, it might have been a possibility. We are talking about psychopaths here. And Richard Vogel. That's a new theory and a good one. We should all be in favour of it, because I'm sure none of us will be happy if we're expected to buy Yates as the, bracer, uh, as the brain surgeon. Obviously, we have no idea what sort of a man Richard Vogel is. He might be a kind and gentle guy with no ounce of malice. Or not. Marco Feely Chi posted on Facebook to call this the most boring episode of the season so far. Hope they're not trying to set up a spin-off with Zack. That would be even more boring than this, than this episode. If the brain surgeon won't come up again and Deborah's killing of the mob assassin won't be explained, I'll be very disappointed. Let's see where this goes. I agree with you, Marco. We need satisfying closure on both the brain surgeon and Deb's apparent killing of El Sapo. And where the hell those jewels went? It is possible it was a straight mob hit, but then how did Deb's blood get on the window? Both these things have been left in messy places, and I'm not happy about them either. Hopefully we've not heard the last of either of these storylines. Over to the emails now. Deanna from Alberta says, Wow! Travis went off a little on the feedback section last podcast, eh? He asks if he has some unresolved women issues. Sounded like it to me, mate. Not sure what it was, but that bit of feedback bothered me, and I feel the need to defend Jamie. Brace yourself, Travis. <laughs> That's me saying that, not Deanna. <laughs> she launches into her points. Point one. Who's watching Harrison during the double date? He's probably sleeping. I have people over all the time after my kidlets are in bed. Most young kids go to bed early and my two could sleep through anything. 2. Her jealousy regarding Quinn. I'm going to guess just about anyone, male or female, would get prickly if his or her boyfriend or girlfriend is talking to and about their ex as much as Quinn has been. She's young and maybe not as secure and therefore jealous. Plus we know Quinn was really broken hearted over Deb and Jamie really might have reason to be insecure. I bet Quinn would take Deb back in a moment if she wanted him. Point three. Who does she think she is? She's a very tolerant, flexible nanny who is a mother substitute to Harrison. She must feel close to them as family. Dexter is gone so much, Jamie is there near constantly. She might be giving advice as a friend, not just an employee. She must, because the next episode, when Dexter calls her to tell her that Quinn is depressed and needs a call, she takes it as a call from a friend, not a boss. What really got me was the Come on, woman! line. Really, Travis, not one of your shining moments. I did like your rap, though. Thanks, Deanna. Great comments about Jamie. Travis, consider yourself told off. <laughs> but Deanna wasn't finished. She continued with comments about a little reflection. She says, Jamie's comment to Jamie. No, I'll read that again. Dexter's comment to Jamie after asking Harrison if he took the remote control made me laugh. He says he didn't take it. I remember that exact reaction from so many parents when confronted with their child's misbehaviour. There can be a blind spot where your children are concerned. Then he finds out Harrison lied and it causes him grave concerns. 
not unlike the scratch at Playgroup a couple of seasons back. Is this the sign his son is damaged? I can remember googling all about child development for my sister when she discovered her child lied, then looking it up all over again when my own children started lying. After he brings it up with Deb, her response is so perfect and simple. He's four, doofus. The Harrison line, but daddy, you lie, got me in the gut. Trying to teach your children right from wrong, it's good to remember actions are louder than words and little eyes see more than you might guess. Do what I say, not what I do is never a good parenting philosophy and rarely gets the desired results. Dexter does not really have long before Harrison will notice something or say something to someone that gets them guessing. Good thing is it's the final season. This was also an, ep an episode of Awkward Moments. Masuka letting Nikki know he'd checked into her. I was yelling, stupid, at the TV. Why did he tell her? Dexter on his super awkward date with Cassie. We need alcohol. Then again at the beach, Cassie has a new date. Dexter, I'm uh, going to go check on Harrison. Again at the beach, the Quinn, Batista, Jamie blow up over the sergeant promotion. Elway moving a little too fast for Deb. The awkwardness between Deb and Dexter eating steak that contrasted so much with all the other times in the series that they chatted so easily together over beer and steak. So many strained interactions made me uncomfortable. I am thinking that Dexter kept to the code out of respect and love for Harry and his mum. Back in an earlier season, Harry asked him why he didn't kill. I think it was a kid who was bugging him at school. And his response was something to the effect of, I thought you would be angry. What is to make Zack follow Dexter's code? Dexter is no one to him. If Dexter reveals what he is to this kid, what's to stop Zack from exposing Dexter? I'm along for the ride and each episode is keeping me excited for the next one. The last seconds of this episode were certainly a holy fuck moment. Keep them coming. Thanks, Deanna. An epic email and good stuff. I'm with you there in your comments about parenting. We are all automatically defensive about our own children and do have blind spots. And we do have to remember their age sometimes. At such a young age as four, they are still learning. I don't read anything sinister into Harrison's behaviour now or at any time in the past. He's just a young kid. I could end up being wrong, but I don't think Harrison will be following in Dexter's footsteps. About Dexter and the code. It's certainly possible, plausible, that he kept to it out of respect for Harry. That said, he wouldn't have wanted to be caught, and in the absence of actual experience, he had the code to follow. And as long as it worked for him, he had no cause not to follow it. As for Zack... Perhaps through conversation with Vogel and Dexter, he can see how the code has worked for someone, got him to his early 40s and he's still killing and free. So it's not as if he'd be following an untested course. But he won't have any inherent loyalty to it. He may have the arrogance of youth, the know-it-all attitude, and maybe bend the rules and get himself into trouble. Thanks again, Deanna. Staying with the emails, Jacob Newman wrote in to say, just watch the episode again. I also just read the comments by Linda and Marco on Facebook. I have to agree with them that this episode was a little bit slow and a trifle boring. The writers are building up to something and it seems like a slow pressure cooker or crockpot. There were a couple of surprises in this episode for me. I was very surprised when Harrison justified his lying to Dexter about the remote control because Dexter lied to him about the stuffed dog. I was also very surprised that Zack was going to kill his father, and not the beautiful hostess. 
His father does have a good taste in mistresses. I was also surprised by Masuka's blunder. I couldn't believe that he told Nikki that he checked into her background. I thought that Masuka was smarter and had more social skills than that. I overestimated him. I wasn't surprised by the reappearance of Hannah. Just a little bit surprised that she didn't poison Deb and Dex. Why would she not just kill both of them? Glad that Cassie and Dex won't be an item. There is more to Elway than meets the eye. And I completely agree with Linda when she points out that there are only six episodes left and the writers are introducing new characters and new storylines. I think they should be narrowing things instead of widening them. I also hope that Zack does not kill Dexter. I see him being a failed scientific experiment and Dexter will have to terminate him. Dexter is one of a kind. Let's see how the writers wrap things up in the next six weeks. Thanks, Jacob. I talked about why I thought Hannah didn't kill Deb and Dex in my review. But I wouldn't be surprised if Dexter's forced to put Zack on his table again. But you guys are right. They have been introducing new stuff rather than narrowing things down. That said, it's possible they've closed the brain surgeon plot, the El Sapo plot, and that's made way for Hannah and Zack. But with six episodes to go, they should be moving towards narrowing the focus into whatever the end game is. And perhaps this week we saw the very beginning of that. Hey Gareth, uh, it's Ken from Pittsburgh this week, recording a voicemail on my laptop outside. It's really nice out outside. Five points to talk about today. The first one, I really liked how Captain Matthews wasn't played as a villain this week. So much so that their writers had him say that he wasn't going to be the villain. He's kind of just been like this plot device this season to give Batista something to fight. And uh, I really liked how Matthews was like, hey, look, you know, I might appear the villain a lot of the time, but you are making decisions here, Batista. You know, there's only so much I can do. The second uh, point I wanted to talk about, really, uh, Joseph Quinn, not being as smart as he should be. I, I guess a lot of people, I guess I, a lot of people don't think that Quinn knows that Dexter killed Liddy. I'm pretty sure that Dexter, or I'm pretty sure that Quinn knows that Dexter killed Liddy. Um, or Quinn is incredibly dumb. But really, this week I think writers may be dropping the ball a little bit, or maybe the writers just know Quinn better than we do. But I thought, you know, Quinn was smarter than this to, you know, see Dexter in the shirt that he was wearing when Liddy showed him dumping bodies on the boat. You know, Quinn just not putting one and two together, not realizing that Dexter's out on the kills. A little bit frustrating, a little bit of a letdown, especially, you know, this is the last season, you know, if any season you're going to have somebody catch Dexter on a kill, it's this season. Um, the third point I wanted to talk about, and um, I'm sorry to shoot this down, uh, Gareth, because you make a lot of really good points, uh, and this third point I want to talk about is the brain surgeon is dead. I know that's a little bit... It might be weird to hear that because you make a lot of good points. Why would Yates be the brain surgeon? Why would he have two methods of killing people? But the reason I say that the brain surgeon is dead is because despite the fact that there are a lot of reasons, a lot of points that say, hey, he's, he should be alive, there's no reason that Yates should be the brain surgeon. However, seeing that this is, that this is the episode right after we apparently dealt with the brain surgeon, uh, I feel like if the writers didn't make it clear this episode that the brain surgeon wasn't Yates, then we're not going to, you know, if we didn't readdress the brain surgeon this episode, 
then we're not going to readdress him ever. Maybe it's a little bit uh, cynical on my part, but I just want to, you know, like look at all the chips on the table right now. We have uh, Zach Hamilton, Hannah. Yeah, there's no way we're going to also deal with the brain surgeon this season, right? We're going to have three potential villains. Vogel, if she's still on the table as a villain, like, nah, I, I'm sorry, Gareth. I mean, you're right. It makes no sense that Yates would be the brain surgeon, but if he wasn't the brain surgeon, I think, you know, the episode right after would have been, you know, the, the moment to say that and the moment to, you know, bring that up as a topic. Okay, my fourth point, make this quick because I think I'm going a little bit long here, but my fourth point, I think Elway is just a normal guy. All you guys are saying that, you know, or sorry, not implying you, Gareth, but a lot of people uh, have been saying that, you know, they're throwing up theories about Elway. He's going to be a killer or he's like Elway's giving dev electrolytes that maybe that's just an excuse for some kind of poison. But I know I really, I deeply believe that the show can have normal characters that aren't screwed up. And I think Elway might, you know, be just that. If anything, maybe he'll get in the way of something and have to die because of it. But I don't think Elway has any messed up past or anything. No, but uh, because of the doubts you guys have planted in my head that when, uh, when Deb is like, ooh, I'm feeling woozy, I was like, oh no, Elway has poisoned her, you know, because uh, I heard all these Elway theories. Uh, but it turns out, no, Hannah's back. So uh, that's pretty cool. And uh, my fifth point, final point here, uh, just regarding uh, Zachary Hamilton as a, a potential intern of Dexter, let's say. I, I just say, here we go again with uh, the sidekick plotline. <sighs> just, this is not what I wanted or, or felt that I needed out of the eighth season of Dexter. I know, I know last week I called it and said I was loving the season, and uh, I think maybe this episode is maybe, you know, uh, I don't know, like, Zachary Hamilton trying to be, like, a sympathetic person, I don't know, I just, I don't want it, I don't want it, but you know what, trust the show, right, Gareth? Anyways, thank you, Gareth, uh, I will uh, record something for next week. Thanks, Ken. Matthews, he's the antagonist in the department. Every show needs someone like that. And in LaGuerta's absence, he's doing the job this season. <laughs> Quinn, they talked about this on the wrap-up podcast this week and mentioned how Quinn knows something was up with Dexter and Liddy. He knows he put Liddy onto Dexter. There were major suspicions about what he was up to. Then Liddy shows up dead. Quinn must know something was up with that. But then, when he stood accused of Liddy's murder, it was Dexter who got him out of it. He'll have felt like he dodged a bullet there, thanks to Dexter. But even if he has moved on from that, Quinn can't have forgotten what happened. It's still possible that something will come of this, but you're right. Given all that, he didn't have any concerns about Dexter being at the yacht club. It's not Dexter's investigation. He's not a detective. It's Quinn's investigation, although Dexter went out with him earlier. He didn't have any need to go back and follow Zack. It's not a great advert for Quinn's intelligence, is it? Now, about the brain surgeon. I'm going to have to address this again. <laughs> You're probably right. The brain surgeon is dead. 
he was dispatched, as we saw, in spectacular fashion with that curtain pole in This Little Piggy, in a sequence that I raved about, and I, I would still put it up there with as, as one of the best Dexter kills. Given what happened this week, you're right, all evidence within the show suggests that was it, the way the characters are reacting. Done. Tied up with a neat little bow. My problem is that it makes no sense to me, and from the feedback, I'm not alone. If the surgeon really is dead, then I have to say, the writers have not done a good job of the storyline, creating a killer in this way. I just don't know if a psychopathic killer would operate like that. If there is a real-life example of one who did, or does, then I'll stand corrected, and be glad that the writers did actually have it right. I'd rather that than me be wrong. But as it stands, this storyline just doesn't sit right with me, and I'm disappointed. At the risk of labouring the point, and I apologise if anyone's fed up and sick to the back teeth with me going on about it, but I know for a fact that the writers do their research into serial killers around the world. Scott Reynolds says on the wrap-up podcast that he has Google alerts going. Every morning he checks for news about serial killers. But given how an MO of a killer is such an important thing, I'd have expected Dexter or Vogel to comment how unusual it is for a killer to have two very different and distinct psychoses and MOs. Personally... I can let it go for now and enjoy the rest of the season, but at the end, and we look back, not just on the season, but the whole show, this will be one of the storylines I pick out that didn't work for me. And unfortunately, it distracts a bit from the show I love, and I don't want that. Trivial stuff, I can forgive. Minor stuff. But a storyline that was a big deal for a while, it's what brought Vogel and Dexter together and ultimately Deb and Dexter. It's not something trivial I can overlook. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Elway. I'm okay with him, being just a normal guy without any major issues. Maybe he's just there to be someone in Deb's life who isn't screwed up or having any serious hang-ups or baggage. We talked about him being played by a recognisable actor last week, I think it was, and that he could be there for something bigger. But perhaps not. He's just there as a character in this new part of Deb's professional life. And I'd be okay with that. Thanks, Ken. Back to the emails now. Danielle Hawley in Sydney, Australia wrote in to say, Well, that episode was pretty bland. I expect more. When it finished, I just sat there and thought, Ho-hum, what can I put in the feedback? This is the last season and I want some excitement. It seems there are too many storylines for the time left. So many little things going on. No big story to grip or thrill you. I think Elway's bland and, ba and without bad intent. He just has a crush on Deb. And as for the brain surgeon storyline, I think it's over. It was just used to introduce and establish Dr Vogel's character. What a disappointment. I know this kind of thing has happened before, but it almost seems that the viewers are not respected by the writers and we just have to accept all the inconsistencies. Hannah's reappearance did not surprise me, and what the heck, let's just add in another storyline, seeing there's so much time left to give Dexter a good send-off. I guess you can tell I'm not feeling the love this week, and finding it hard to trust the show. Can't even be bothered commenting on baby serial killer in training. One little thing that's always bugged me, Dexter is broken into so many premises, and none of them have an alarm system. Too convenient. Thanks, Danielle. 
Another email expressing great concern for the season. But a fair point there. They do simplify Dexter's activities, with the caveat that we don't need to see everything he does every time. Just assume he's good at what he does and takes whatever precautions are necessary. It's... you could view it as a convenient fallback for the writers, but to a large extent it's fair enough. However, how many times have we seen him just pick a lock and walk right in? Have we ever seen him crack a burglar alarm or accidentally set one off? Some of you who've rewatched the seasons more times than me will probably be able to answer this straight away, but I can't think of any off the top of my head. Email from Tom in Poland. He says, Cool, Hannah's back. I don't mind that at all. Referring to Yates being the brain surgeon, to be honest, on my own, I wouldn't have any doubts about that. But after listening to the last podcast, I definitely see what you mean, Gareth. It really doesn't make much sense. But I get the feel that it's over, and Yates was indeed the guy. A lot of good dialogue this episode. I'm feeling much more optimistic about the season than last time. The thing with Zack, I can't say that it doesn't make much sense, but I'm not crazy about it because of the actor who plays him. Not that great. I really hope he's not the guy who'll be the main character in that probable Dexter spin-off. Thanks, Tom. Glad you're feeling better about things. It seems like no one's keen on a Zack Hamilton spin-off. Sandy and Ireland emails with this. It sucks that you were possibly spoiled. That would drive me daft. I've been thinking a lot about possible endings. What my take on it is, is that Dexter does die, but Harrison will be there. Camera shows us he has Dexter's blood on him, similar to Dexter being found by Harry in the container. We hear Dexter's voiceover saying, I spent all his life keeping him from this life, and now he's reborn into the darkness. Camera fades to black, leaving us all emotional. On with this week, lots of people on your feedback seem to think Elway's dodgy. What if he simply fancies Deb? We saw how protective he got with her in this week's show. I think it's harmless enough. The writers are possibly using Elway in a red herring fashion, allowing them to sneak a certain hot blonde back into the season, hoping that a sinking Elway is the big baddie. Dexter, Dexter, Dexter. Remember the last time you let someone off the table? Leaving Zack off the hook could come back to haunt him. I was wondering when Hannah would return. I didn't enjoy last week's episode at all. This week's was the same apart from the last scene. Hannah coming back has rescued the season for me. Thanks, Sandy. Your thoughts on Elway were shared by Ken earlier, and now we've seen Hannah's return. I'm inclined to agree with you too, and it seems that in a very short space of time, opinion on Elway is shifting quite dramatically from... um, being in cahoots with Hannah or having some sinister agenda to um, maybe just being a normal bloke who has a crush on Deb. As for Zack being let go, I'm sure it'll come back to bite Dexter in some way. On the other hand, maybe the code will work for Zack and Dexter won't feel so alone in the world. It'd give him some further purpose down the line, long term, to help him, uh, to help guide this boy as a mentor of sorts. Thanks again, Sandy. We'll finish the feedback section with this from Travis. All right, Gareth, it's Travis. Oh, boy, you know. You know this episode's got me steamed. You know it. You've been waiting for it, but I'm going to make you wait a little bit more. First, I'm going to talk a little about what happens in A Little Reflection, episode 6 of season 8. It looks like Vogel's kind of been, at least for this last episode, relegated to secondary character again. Is the brain surgeon really over? 
Maybe they're doing a double bluff or a single bluff, triple bluff. I'm not sure. They're bluffing us, though. Right? I hope so. I don't know. This brain surgeon's still out there, maybe. Or maybe he's not. Maybe he really is gone and all is well with the world. But we see Vogel not hanging around anymore. But you know who got a lot more screen time? Your boy Elway. He's he's out there hitting his brother-in-law and stuff, wearing, trying to look like Batista wearing that hat. Come on now. What is this? What is this? Batista look-alike day? I don't think so. Not in my Miami, it's not. Deb seems to think that Elway has feelings for her. I actually kind of assumed... I, I kind of just felt like it was Elway behaving that way because of his cheating brother uh, being an asshole. Or, I'm sorry, his brother-in-law or whatever, you know, hurt, cheating on his sister. But I know that I think even... On the wrap-up podcast, they talk about Elway having feelings, so I guess that's what is supposed to be underneath all that. So, I mean, there's that. Speaking of love and stuff, Cassie and Casey, I'm never going to get that right. The, her and Dexter went on a date, and Dexter kind of failed miserably. And something I actually kind of did appreciate is Dexter didn't seem too bummed about it. I mean, he did kind of seem like he didn't care that much, which is what I would expect. Well, I was also half expecting Dexter to get all but her, like, oh maybe my darkness is too much for her light or some crap like that. But we did see Casey, Cassie, Cassidia. We saw her hooking up or something with some new dude named Oliver, some dude, some broke-ass Ryan Gossin. You see that dude trying to look like, what does he think he's drive over here now, huh? Come on now. But, but uh, yeah, so Oliver, uh, something leads me to believe that he's going to be back again. I don't know if he's going to be important oh maybe oliver's the brain surgeon no i bet you no he's not but some just the fact that they gave him a name i bet you he's going to be more important masuka's daughter come on now girl what what's the show's making me hate all women i can't do that i'm a lover but masuka's daughter is a little unreasonable i thought with her whole like what you know how hard it was for me to come up to you and you treat me like this like a criminal like y'all okay pump the brakes girl relax uh, you expect your father just to accept his daughter. You know, like, you think it's hard for her? Imagine how hard it is for Masuka just to accept he has some daughter all of a sudden coming into his life. I mean, Masuka's bedside manner is a little lacking, for sure. He's kind of a dildo sometimes, but, I mean, come on. It was innocent enough what he did, and, hmm, girl, get over yourself. Quinn didn't get the didn't get the thing, and Jamie didn't seem to care. Whatever. I don't really care either. But now, oh boy, now this is it. Yeah, I mean, every what everyone's been all pumped to hear about. What's Travis got to think about this? What's Travis's opinions on the big development this episode? Ooh, are you ready? Here we go. Oh yeah, uh, the fact that we're halfway through the season, uh, it doesn't really feel like it's the final season. Uh, I kind of, I'm getting a lot of feelings that a lot of people feel that way. It's kind of disappointing, I suppose. Uh, that there's not a real sense of finality. They're bringing in new characters, this whole Zach Hamilton thing. I mean, we have seen this before. Miguel, and then to a lesser extent, uh, Lumen, and even to an even lesser extent, he almost attempted this once with Jeremy Downs in season one, the whole having a mentor-mentee type relationship. Um, so, I don't know. I, the fact that there's six episodes left and it doesn't seem like the walls are closing in. I mean, they're introducing new things. It's a little disappointing. Do we really care about Masuka and his daughter? I mean, I don't really. Do we really care about Quinn not getting this job? Okay, maybe a little. But do we care about Elway and his nonsense? No way. So I'm, ho I'm hoping that we get 
in the future it's really or the, the next six episodes turns it on really big man because you know we want the show to end with a bang not with a whimper and right now I kind of feel like it's limping to the finish line a little bit you know but anyway but despite everything I've just said I uh, oh, oh fuck despite everything I said I'm not feeling too good <clears throat> hold on let me sit down oh, despite it all man I'm feeling like I'm feeling really good for the first time and oh god you guys hear that what the hell is I don't feel good. What is that noise? It's so loud. Is that teeth? That's teeth. I know that. I know those teeth anywhere. It's Miss Chompers. Hannah. Hannah. No. No. <laughs> Thanks, Travis. It's funny. A second time. I listened to that first in the office earlier, and my shoulders, because I had my earphones in, and my shoulders were jiggling as I was trying to stifle my laughter. That was great. I was looking at the timer on your voicemail and it got to about four and a half minutes and I was thinking he's nearly at the end and he's not mentioned the H word yet. <laughs> um, your comments about Cassie and the awkward date. They talked about this on the wrap-up podcast this week, basically saying that it reminded Dexter that he can't have a normal romantic relationship with anyone. Cassie's a nice girl, an attractive girl, sure. So, um, so was Rita. And... Although Dexter made it work in a fashion with Rita, he's not the same person now that he was back then. So another relationship like that just probably just won't do it. They said on the wrap-up podcast that it helped to set up the return of Hannah. You know, I think we're on the same page with our feelings about the season so far. You're right. It's hard to argue with you that this doesn't feel like the final season of a show at the moment. There's no sense of urgency, no sense of the walls closing in. Far from it. I thought the final season would have the majority with Dexter in jeopardy. We've had a little bit of that. We've had some moments of tension. But we've moved on from there. New characters coming in, side plots we don't particularly care for. I've said this before. I have no doubt that the writers have no intention of screwing up the final season. They care about this show, I'm certain of it. You can hear it from them when they get interviewed. They want it to be the best it can be, so with that in mind, I'm optimistic that things will ramp up. Um, with what happened this week, this is possibly the start of it. Here's hoping. Thanks again, Travis. Before I close out this section, a quick nod to a few iTunes reviews that have gone up since I last spoke to you. And uh, one or two of them have actually been up for about two or three years. Um, but they're on other iTunes stores and not ones that I normally look at. So apologies that I've not acknowledged these sooner. Um, but the four new reviews that I've spotted, thanks to Asemi, Jarhead51, Tomoliop, who is Tom in Poland, and Lenny Maz. Right, thanks everybody for contacting me this week. If you want to get in touch with me for next week's episode... You are always welcome. The listener lines in the US, it is 646-222-6122. And interestingly, I actually had no calls on this line this week. There's usually one, sometimes two, um, but the line seems to be getting used less and less. And that's not a big deal. I mean, voice quality is better when you send in a, um, when you record on your phone uh, a voice recording or record through a mic into a PC. Uh, the quality is better, to be fair. Um, and I think Ken noticed that this week <laughs> um, with uh, comparing uh, his 
uh, phone call last week. Um, so it may be that once this season's wrapped, I'll uh, I'll, I'll close off the US line. Um, no point keeping it going if it's um, if it's not going to get used. But that's fine, guys. You know, if um, if you prefer to email me or, or email me um, an MP3 file or something, that's absolutely fine. In the UK, the listener line is 0844 579 6949 and you enter mailbox ID 08320 when the voice prompts you. And actually, the UK line hasn't been used at all this season. <laughs> um, there are UK listeners out there, but um, so far all the feedback this season has come via email, Facebook or uh, MP3. Again, that's fine. Your choice. It's OK. And of course, there's email dissectingdexter at gmail.com where you can also email me your voice recording files uh, but no on set photos please <laughs> uh, Twitter it's at dissectdexter or my personal Twitter which is at gareth underscore UK and the Facebook page go onto Facebook search for dissecting dexter and you'll find it and it's great the, the page is very active um, of late and uh, there's lots of discussion going on there uh, and comments and feedback about the podcast it's um, uh, yeah it's, it's fun Okay, as this podcast draws to a close, and of course with the start of the blood theme, you know that we're into the last minute or two, um, you'll have observed um, that I've done away with the next time on Dissecting Dexter segment. Honestly, I had been feeling, what's the point? Because I don't watch the previews, I don't read the synopses for upcoming episodes, so... I don't have any firm knowledge of, of what's coming up next week. Um, and it's traditionally been more a, a space for predictions. But honestly, we kind of go through predictions, don't we, through my review. And particularly in the feedback section where you put forward your theories and I respond to them and we, we chat about that. Um, so there didn't seem much point in keeping it going. Just in case you've been wondering. So that's it for this week. Halfway through the season. Let's hope it gets better because the negativity has been growing and it's a shame, it's, it's really disappointing that uh, we're having these feelings of ne negativity I do still trust the show and I feel sure that things are going to ramp up it's not going to fizzle out, the finals episode is not going to be a damp squib is it, there's going to be heartache, there's going to be there's going to be tragedy surely um, there's going to be tears before bedtime you know there is <laughs> so until next week when, when we'll dissect some more Dexter together. Thanks as always for your support. Take care. Bye for now. <laughs>